Welcome to the Aging Gracefully podcast. I'm Mary Thompson. And I'm Janae Anderson. Join us as we explore the myths, beliefs, and realities of aging to empower each of us to thrive on all levels, every moment of our lives. Hi, I'm Janae. And first off, straight up, I want to apologize for the sound quality. The reason the sound quality is not as good as usual is because Mary and I are not together in the same room. Right, Mary? That's right. We're miles apart. Miles. We are self-quarantined. It is coronavirus time. But we didn't want to miss out on talking to people about all of this stuff that's going on. In particular today, we are talking about fear. There is great fear in the collective. And um, as we age, there is also fear. You know, there's so much fear about the unknown, about what's going to happen. Um, and fear is fear, whether, whether we're fearing a virus or whether we're fearing what's going to happen to us in the future. It seemed like a really good time to talk about fear in general. I agree. It seems to be so many of our decisions, so many of our shopping decisions and our travel decisions and everything are made based on fear. So it seems like it's really up for a lot of people right now. I know it is for me. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm feeling it too. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to start with there, if, if you tune into spiritual teachers right now, there's a lot of talk about just being conscious about fear and our responses to fear. And one thing I've been noticing is ways that I and others run from having to actually experience it, right? There's so many ways. There's the overeating, over drinking, drugs, overworking, over reading, virtually anything that takes our mind off of having or, or our, our beings off of having to feel we can use as kind of a numbing experience. Right. I think you miss Netflix, but I think the, the internet and the videos and everything can become that, that uh, escape. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of things we look for some way. I think, you know, it's uncomfortable to feel fear. It's uncomfortable to feel strong emotion and maybe our body's just trying to find or trying to find some way to feel something different, possibly to numb from it, or maybe just to replace so. that that anxiety, that fear with some pleasure? Yeah, maybe. That seems to me that once I'm done doing the numbing or the pleasuring, that fear is still there. Yes, because you um, don't fix I, the problem. You know, I have a, a friend, because there, there's also those of us who are spiritual, we have our own spiritual ways of not feeling fear. And I wanted to quote this email from my friend. Um, she, she wrote a couple of days ago. Her, she lives in Canada, and her daughter has been going to university in Australia, so she's trying very hard to get her daughter home, and she's scared for her, as any mother would be. Um, and so she writes to me, she says, I tried meditating, I tried doing an online course about energy body mastery, I tried listening to one of the spiritual teachers who had a talk about coronavirus, I tried to walk with my husband, and um, still, the fear was really, really up for her. And then she said, luckily, I had previously um, 
scheduled a Zoom call with some of the people I had done with training, uh, a, a training together about presencing collective trauma and presencing feelings. And she said, and they just presenced my fear. In other words, they sat there with her in her fear. And she was allowed to be with it. And she was allowed to feel it. And they supported her as she did that. And she said it became more integrated. And um, she, her friends felt it with her. And suddenly it was nothing that needed to be run from. Interesting. So when you say the term, you know, like being present with the fear, where I might be there and feel it, have the experience of, okay, my heart rate's increased, um, kind of focusing on the physical experience of it? Because I know the definition of an emotion is kind of like it's a, a thought that carries some kind of physiological response. So I guess one thing is, is kind of tuning into the body and recognizing what it's expressing. The body is the easiest way to start, I think. So yeah, where am I feeling this in my body? I'm feeling a little pressure in my heart. I'm feeling a shortness of breath or whatever it is for you in that moment. And then from there, you can tune into the actual feeling as an energy sensation in your body. Um, and, and I think that fear has great power over us as long as we're pushing it away or running from it. But as soon as we stop and allow it and actually feel it, it loses the power. Yeah. I had a, a friend who, during this time, she's really, she went through a long phase of needing others not to be scared because that was making her really scared. And, of course, that's what happens. Fear is really contagious. But she finally got to a place within herself where she could allow fear and could feel fear. And then the fear passed through. And... I imagine that process continues for her because I know it does for me. I, I allow it. I feel it. It passes through. I, th I think, too, one thing that's coming up for me right now is this concept of fear. And I thought of it with your friend, you know, and getting to the part of what is the fear? What is it that I'm afraid of? And is it something that I have control over? You know, mm -hmm. I think that if my son, who's 17, becomes ill, I'm not afraid because he's young and he's not in a, a group that has a high rate of complications from this particular mm -hmm. virus. My husband's been sick for the last week, but even that hasn't brought me fear because I've been able to see the symptoms. We've been able to see the progression. He hasn't been tested. He's not, he's not going to get tested. His symptoms aren't severe, but they match the symptoms of this virus. So he's in the target, you know, he's in a, a danger zone. He's in a risk group um, of being over 70. And we've seen, all the symptoms come, but I've never felt a fear around it because it's always seemed to stay within the manageable range. And right. even and even then, you know, if it became serious, we have a plan in the background for oh, what happens, what happens if, you know, he's not able to breathe? How do we? What do we have to do? And so I think wow. for me, a part of it, and I've always I've always been this way with my son and with myself and even with my husband, is okay. So what if? What will you do if this happens? And as soon as I have a plan in place, I feel less fearful because I have a plan. Yeah. yeah. That is a great thing to do for that part of us that 
that really needs that comfort, just to, to know that there is a plan. Mm-hmm. That I have some that I have some power because I think so much about this virus and the responses to it, whether they're the responses of my fellow citizens buying out all the toilet paper in a store, or the responses of my government or the things I see on the news. It's it's so fear based and it so generates a concern about what you know what's out there, what's coming, and um, yeah. I, I think we feel powerless. I think we do. We are really collectively out of our comfort zone. And yeah, part of it is that I think the powerlessness has to do with uncertainty. You know, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. And it's scary not to know. Mm -hmm. Have you had the experience Um, of of neighborly improvement, like people reaching out and checking in to see how you're doing or uh, any kind of upswing in that? You know, I I meet with my course of love group every Monday via Zoom now. It used to be in person. And I have another group that meets Thursdays. So I haven't really had friends check in other than that, but I feel very supported by those groups. Mm-hmm. And we certainly talk about it there. What about you? Well, with Michael being sick, we've had a lot of outreach from, from friends. We've had a lot of people call right. up and say, I'm going to the store. What do you need? Or um, give me a list. I'll go pick stuff up for you. Or even just checking in with him, seeing how are your symptoms today? You know, what's going on? And they called today. He got three different people called him to tell him not to take ibuprofen. <laughs> and so, wow. you know, so there are, it's it's just different because he, and then after he got the phone call with one of them, he said, well, this is really different. These people taking care of us. And it was just like, yeah, that's really wild. But because we're so resistant to it, I think, you know, so independent. And um, yeah. this has brought up a little bit more interdependence with with other people to have, to give them the opportunity to help and to be neighborly. Isn't it interesting, this virus that is theoretically separating us and space and distancing us, and at the same time, it's drawing us together, and we realize how much we care for each other. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm so glad to hear about people reaching. You mentioned the media and um, and how fear is being expressed everywhere. And it's so true, you know, in, in the media and in social media. And what struck me is the very authoritative tone of the fear, you know, like experts expressing reasons to be afraid and uh, how prevalent that is right now. Like I've never heard fear expressed so authoritatively before. Hmm. So you mean in by the people who are expressing it or the way in which they express it? The way in which it's being expressed, you know, from from the virus experts at the very top of the chain down to each one of us, but especially the experts right now. Really, um, you know, the bold headlines about why we should be afraid and how the numbers keep increasing and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Really spiking fear um in such an in a way which sounds like the experts think that we should be afraid right and i think and i don't think fear serves i don't think fear helps i think they should awareness we should be aware we should be concerned we should be thoughtful we should be helpful we should be a number of things but what happens when i'm afraid i freeze I can't act. I can't take care of myself. I can't take care of anybody else because I'm too frightened. Yeah, 
it's completely paralyzing. Right. And if the if the opposite of fear, I know the opposite of fear often is given as faith, but I think it may be empowerment. Mm. Feeling Say more about that. Well, I think my opposite, it's, I, I kind of go back to when Keegan was young and we'd be in a store and I would ask him, I'd give him scenarios. What will you do if you can't find me? You know, now that would be a very frightening thing for a child if I can't find the parent, but I'm right there while we're talking about it. And he would say, oh, well, I could I could go and I could ask this person. And I'd say, okay, well, what if they're not there? Who could you speak to? And we'd kind of play it out, not to frighten, but to empower, you know, not to say. Yeah. So then we'd go through the store. He never did move away from me. He never had to use any of those tools. But I would do that in a number of situations. You know, what if mom's not there when you get out of school? What if um, dad forgets to pick you up? What are you going to do? I shouldn't say, what if mom forgets to pick you up? I shouldn't pick on dad. But... Um, you know, and then he would, he would have to think about it and it was more empowerment. And what I would see happen, I used to work in childcare. What I would see happen is the kids who weren't prepped were frightened because not only is there that fear of the unknown, but there's a lack of any wisdom or knowledge about how I will deal with myself in new and different situations. Lack of a backup plan. Right. And I think that backup plan is the empowerment you know, that says, okay, I'm okay in this moment, knowing that if this moment changes and becomes more dire, I have a plan. Nice. And, so and I, I love what you said about being okay in this moment, because um, to me, one of, the, one of the big antidotes to fear is coming into moment-to-moment awareness. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm afraid, it's because I'm out there in the future, out there in that, well, what a, what a kind of place. Um, and if I can land back, and I love the fact that the body and the breath are always taking place in the present moment. So as soon as I can feel back into my body and locate my breath, I'm back here in the present. And I'm back in that moment-to-moment awareness where maybe I don't know what's going to happen next, but right in this moment, I don't need to know. Right. Because I will be okay because I have the ability to make decisions on the snap and the fly and I can make sure that I've got options. Yeah, and of course we want to think about things like what are my options? I mean, we don't want to be stupid and we want to wash our hands and we want to do everything like that. Like you say, we want to be aware, but at the same time, we don't have to buy into fear unless we choose to. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think of the toilet paper thing, right? People going in and buying yeah. multiple yeah. cases of toilet paper. Now, on the one side, it's not driven so much by fear as it is by greed. Oh, everybody needs toilet paper, so I'll buy it all up so I can corner the market and I can charge them exorbitant rates for it. And that's that's just greed, and there's nothing you can do about that. But there are many people who are afraid that they could actually have a, you know, the supply line is so impacted that we're going to miss out on this vital Thing. And then I, then I, we were talking about it. And we said, you know, what are our options? What if we don't have? What if we don't have toilet paper? You know, and we came up with a lot of other ideas that would work. You know, in the event, but I won't go into all of them because it's not, it's not our toilet paper podcast. But it's one of those that just was okay. There are options, and I go into the store, and I don't feel a need to buy more than I usually buy. I trust that the supply chain is going to is going to hold. There's no reason for me not to. 
And if it doesn't hold, you have a backup plan. Exactly. And I think for me, that's where being empowered and not having fear comes because I trust or I, I believe that in the case of some uh, change in my present moment, I have the capability to devise a backup plan if I don't have one yet. Yeah. That is very empowering. It's a very mm -hmm. empowering way in which to approach the world. Um, I, I listened to a bit of Eckhart Tolle talking about this time, and he says that this is a time to go deeper than our conceptual thinking mind you know, usually goes. But other, if, if you don't go deeper within yourself, then fear can consume you, right? And he, mm -hmm. he said what you said, that fear is certain thought forms projected into the future. And so uh, when we come into presence and then a deeper presence, like that timeless, eternal presence, that's unshakable. That is a foundation deep within us all, and we can all access it. So then we can walk down the toilet paper aisle completely at peace. <laughs> That's true. I think I think there are, I guess I want to talk about that there are people for whom the fear is very present moment. You know, if my oh, husband, you know, if my yeah. husband can't breathe, then I've got a present moment fear. How can I, what can I do? And how can I help him? Yeah. And so I think there's a part of it. Well, the people we're speaking to are the ones who are projecting the fear rather than living in a moment when the spouse or a child is ill and are having to be afraid. But it's like, I don't want to downplay any fear that someone's feeling when they have a very real dire situation. You know, if I don't Me have either. the, if I don't have the money to pay the rent, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be in great fear. And if I don't have um, the food for the family or if my spouse or child is sick or if I'm sick, if I start coughing and feeling a sore throat, there may be fear. And so I think what we're talking to more is the people who generate fear when they're still in a safe place. Is I think. Yeah. And I mean, me too. I, I don't want to downplay the time when fear is actually helpful and uh, important because it, it, reminds you or focuses you and there are times when fear can actually bring you into action and mm -hmm. times when we need that mm -hmm. that's what i was going to ask as you said that that what would be the the upside of fear and it sounds like call to action being mm -hmm. able to be able to recognize a threat i think fear helps me to recognize okay something's wrong here and yeah. then i can begin to make decisions and behave in a way that takes me away from the threat so fear has a real purpose you know if it's if it's going to get that action i think the fear we want to avoid is that one that's keeping me awake at night about what if yeah i think so mm -hmm. and keeping the heart beating too fast and the breath being too shallow because <laughs> or, you know not only when we're asleep but even when we're awake because mm -hmm. it's, it's just not helpful to right. you or anybody else right do you notice when you're in fear everything is frightening you know it's like when i'm in fear then I startle more easily. The you know the door, the back door blows open for some reason. It's like, oh my god, what was that about? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. pretty soon everything is something to be afraid of. And so I think fear builds on fear. It does. It's contagious within oneself and within the collective. Mm -hmm. And I I wanted to bring up a story that I heard once about um, the uh, a Buddhist teacher named Suzuki Roshi, and um, I 
don't know if I have the story exactly right, but the way I heard it was that there was somebody who came to many of Suzuki Roshi's uh, teachings, his, his classes and whatnot, for years. And finally, one day, the student came up to him and said, listen, for years I've been attending your sessions and listening to what you say, and I still don't understand Buddhism. Can you sum it up really, really simply for me? Suzuki Roshi stops a minute and says, yes, I can. He says, two words. And he says, everything changes. I think we're very much facing that right now, how much everything changes. And that can bring up a lot of fear unless we can just kind of ease into that and go, oh, yeah, everything changes, right? Mm -hmm. And everything is changing big time now, and we don't know if we'll go back to the old normal because everything changes. And I, um, I had a Buddhist teacher once who brought up the visual of being a surfer, like you're, you're on your surfboard and sometimes little waves come and sometimes huge waves come and you are standing on your surfboard just surfing over all of it and embracing whatever is coming toward you. So being fluid and being flexible and seems to me that that kind of attitude could be really helpful right now. That's true. Being on top of it and a part of it and inside it. I think for me, the idea of everything changes and everything right now seems to be changing very quickly. And then we, we ask that question, but is it, you know, is it our perception? Is it our projection that it's changing really quickly? Um, I think we're just being, you know, we get a window into it that we don't always have. You know, it's different when it's those people in that country that have this devastating disease. And then it's, uh, it becomes different when it's in our communities. You know, there's so many cases in our county and that county and what's happening in New York and what's happening in Canada. And um, it just is, it makes it so real because it's so in our faces. Maybe one of our things that we can do, one of our call to action is to limit the amount of time we expose ourselves to the dire predictions of what's coming. I, yeah, I was thinking about, you know, I, I'm really sensitive and it's really hard for me to watch scary movies. But every now and then it kind of happens by accident. I'll be watching some movie and something very scary will happen. And, and I have my, like, the things I do. I either leave the movie or I turn the volume way down if I'm watching it, you know, on, on my own screen. Um, or I remind myself that it's just a movie. So if we're going to expose ourselves to the scary predictions and, and other things that the media is giving us right now, we also have choices. You know, we can we cannot do that. We can do it less, turn the volume down, or we can remember that this is fear run rampant and we can buy into it or not. Because mm -hmm. we have our fear. But there's also the fear of the newscasters, and there's the fear of the world leaders, and there's the fear of uh, our friends and neighbors, and we want to separate maybe our fear from someone else's fear. Yeah. And it's as um, I heard a reporter say once, blood sells. It's, it's a common thing amongst them. And so 
it's like the the scary things get the highest ratings. No, so yeah. they're going to try to outdo each other, mm-hmm. right? So you know, it's up to us. You you mentioned empowerment. There are a lot of things we can do about what's happening externally right now, but mm-hmm. we can absolutely affect our internal space. Mm-hmm. See, and I think some of those things are the ones they talk about. We can take care of our own exposures. We can wash our hands. We can clean our counters. We can um, limit the amount of people we come in contact with. We can stay six feet apart. So I think that empowers. And then it's yeah. a step further in my world saying, and what if? What will I do if this happens? Who are my helpers? Who are the people I could reach out to? This is a great opportunity for me because I am not a person who asks for help. And I know that people like to help. And so it's good to be able to say, you know, I need a dozen eggs. <laughs> what can I do? Because the person I'm asking will feel good about doing it and I will get my dozen eggs. And so I think for me, a part of this is breaking down that barrier of I can do it all. I don't need your help, that isolation. And so, you know, maybe saying what are the gifts in, in all of this? What are the gifts for me? And what are the gifts for my family that, because we have to live a little bit differently for a time. That's beautiful because, yeah, there are so many gifts. And by looking at that, you are affecting your internal state, mm-hmm. your internal consciousness. Yeah. Right. That if I can so trust my neighbors, I'm finding I can trust people to help me out. So then I go, oh, okay, well, then I don't have to be so afraid. Yes. How beautiful that is mm-hmm. that we can help each other in that way. For us, is there any last minute thoughts you want to say on fear? Just a reminder moment-to-moment awareness. Nice. Land back in your body. Land back in your breath when that fear comes. Don't push it away. Allow it. And um, stay present with it. That's my take. I like it. What about yours? Mine is always, and have a plan. Have a backup plan. You know, I think life Mm -hmm. happens, and you can always have a backup plan behind that, but trust that you will be in the moment when you're, when you're in the moment, you'll be able to find help and you'll be able to think of new and different ways to face this new normal, whatever that new normal looks like. Right. And it all changes. So what's normal today might not be so normal tomorrow. That's for sure. Yes. Our love and blessings to you all. This is Janae Anderson and Mary Thompson signing off.